0: All right, so welcome back to the cabin log. It's been a couple weeks now, and there's always stuff going on. So, I could always, you know, I could always do a podcast about what's happened in the last couple days. You know, I could put that out every week easily. But, but I kind of figured that it's more interesting to focus episodes around certain themes or, as I've mentioned in the future, around certain people that that I feel like talking to. Um, and that kind of checking in, more casual style of like, hey, this is what's gone on, there's, a, there's space for it usually within the themes, uh, within the themed episodes, I should say. But that's the kind of stuff I reserve for more of the um, the, uh, field recordings, field recording episodes. Um, So lately, the rhythm of me producing material has kind of slowed down to more every two or three weeks or longer. And, you know, that's fine with me and... If it's an inconvenience to my listeners, then I apologize. But things will come as they come. I'm not going to force episodes just to adhere to a certain schedule. So hopefully you're you're all okay with that. And I haven't let you down or lost your listenership. Um, because I hope this will be an interesting episode. I'm going to try to focus on kind of... What what I get out of a rhythmic and routine pattern of life, in being out here, in caring for the animals, and in caring for myself, um, I've kind of fallen into this uh, pattern, um, out of necessity, really, and. It's been a change. Um, I mean, look, we all live in with certain patterns, but this kind of lifestyle that I'm living in particular has had some really positive effects on me, and I think it has a lot to do with the kind of um, very limited... Uh, scope of my you know what I do you know I'm here on the property most of the time I'm not really going far Uh, I'm doing my days are marked by the same chores at the very least every day you know and then in between those those repeated events that happen every day in that free time or quote unquote free time is then you know that's what changes each day is how i spend that middle time basically between letting the birds out and putting them back in sunrise sunset so anyway uh that's kind of what i'm going to get into i'll probably veer off and talk about other things but uh i without further ado i give you episode eight of the cabin log 6 a.m., I'm in bed sleeping. It's right around the time that the sky is showing its first few shades of blue as the sun makes its way over the tree line. And no rays of sunlight are cutting through my horizontal blinds just yet. But for some reason, my dog, Alabama, has set her internal clock. To wake me at this time And she, she does this Usually by She's laying on her bed Which is in the corner of my room And she takes her Claws You know, her nails And just kind of wraps them On the hardwood floor And that's how I wake up every morning The sound of my dog's paws Clacking Lightly she's not trying to wake me up immediately she's gently waking me up to um to let her out so I get up uh, slip on whatever shorts I threw off the previous night I'll admit sometimes I I go about my morning chores in the nude if I'm, uh, if I'm feeling so inclined let the morning air kind of provide its own, uh, cleansing of sorts. And so I go outside, and the first thing I do, first thing I see, uh, aside from the foggy air, you know, dew, dew dripping off the plants, glistening off the grass, is my chicken coop with... All of the birds kind of standing at the ready or milling around waiting for me to let them out. It's like this every morning. And so I go over. Alabama's doing her thing, sniffing around. I open the door and, like, opening the gates of heaven and letting all the angels fly out, my birds, usually in a torrent, just flock out, you know, just fly with the flapping of their wings and some chirping, they just all of a sudden just flow out of the out of the coop. And they disperse themselves in their own little factions and start nibbling at whatever they—grasses or bugs—or start, you know, they start their foraging, which they'll do for the better part of the day. Um, lately. As in the past, over in the past two weeks, since I've recorded the last episode, three of my four—excuse me—three of my four egg-laying chickens uh, will take this morning period to work their way over to their uh, little spot that they've chosen in the goat pen, uh, where there's an abundance of hay, loose hay, and. First thing in the morning, they'll go over there and disappear. And when I decide to harvest the eggs a little later, I go over, I look in this spot, and sure enough, there's two, three. Lately, I've been getting three eggs a day. First thing in the morning. So they'll go and do that. As the chickens and birds are going out doing their thing, I work my way over to the goats. They're usually either sleeping or just getting up. And I go and I grab this uh, aluminum bowl that's usually flipped over or kicked out of the way from where I placed it the night before. Uh, I I grab it through this hole under the gate, Uh, say hi to my goats, turn off the radio, which I keep playing on the classical music station all night. That's kind of a. I keep it playing so to hopefully provide an. A level of security to kind of ward off any predators that might uh, be frightened by the sounds. <laughs> and so far, it's worked. I haven't had one instance where I've had a predator or an issue. Knock on wood. So I take the bowl. I go over to the garage. I lift the garage door open. It's like a, like lifting weights. Throw it, throw it upwards, and I have three bins. Food containers, three storage bins. And I have a gourd ladle, like a dried gourd scooper that I bought from this uh, family. They're, they have their young kids, and the kids uh, make these ladles to sell at the farmer's market. And I bought it a year ago, roughly, more than a year. Uh, who knows when I bought it? And. I took it home. I wanted to support the family. They were a farming, farming family, and the kids uh, clearly took pride in these these gourd ladles. And it was cheap, and I wanted to buy it. And I took it home, and I said, man, I don't really have a use for it. So I just hung it up as decoration. I think maybe I used it to scoop water once, just, just to do it. Uh, and I had it around, and then only until I had the goats and was scooping their feed which they get twice a day. So there's grain feed, uh, black oil, sunflower seed, and beet pulp that they get a scoop of from the ladle each day, twice a day. So only until I had to scoop these various substances out each day did I then think, oh, wait a minute, this would be a perfect opportunity to use the ladle. So I got great pleasure from... Finally pulling the ladle out and finding its perfect use, probably what they use it for on the farm as well, uh, scooping animal feed. So I put one scoop of each substance in the bowl, take it over, the goats are all excited, slip it under the gate, they go munching at it. If it's a heyday, I kind of pick heydays as I desire. Um, if it's a hay day, I'll take the pitchfork or the hay fork and I'll take a chip or a flake of hay, which is one, basically one compressed, uh, unit of hay. And I'll fling it over the, the goat pen into the hay area for the goats to then munch on all day. After that, I close the garage, kick any birds out that might've gone in there. Uh, you know, put my things away and then go back inside and make my coffee. And that's my morning. From then, I take a shower, clean up, and I look at my list of things to do. And I may order my list and things that I'm likely to do that day. My 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 three lists that are important are I've over years and years and years I've put this system together. It's today, soon, and future. So today is things that I think I can tackle today. More often than not, I don't tackle them all. Soon is stuff that I should start planning on doing in the near future that will soon be shifted over into the today list. And future are things that I'm thinking about doing, but they don't need to be done anytime soon. And... Maybe I'll decide that I don't need to do them at all. So I'll look at my today list and I'll say, okay, this I'll do first. I'll feel good getting that out of the way. Or this will be better suited. Or I'll organize and say, hey, I'm running into town that way so these three things I can knock off together. Excuse me. I can knock off together. In other words, I'll kind of roughly plan out my day. And the rest of the day, I'll spend either executing that plan or not. Um, In between all of that, I'll have free time where I'll sit down and read a book. I'll oftentimes get uh, led astray by projects that I didn't even think about, or I'll have some sort of fixation on some... Uh, cleaning up some mess that never made it on a list, but it just came to me, and I had to do it. Um, I'll get the sudden inspiration to play my guitar or try to record a song, or I'll write down some poetry or whatever. That's my free time. Uh, th- Then, numerous times throughout the day, lately it's been two or three, I will put on my boots, grab my little rifle, strap up a little knife on my waistband, and go over to the goats, let them out, and we'll go on these walks around the property. And those walks have been... Something, it's something that I've done before I had the goats. You know, I would just walk to see, first of all, to get exercise, to see any signs of wildlife, to see any wildlife. Uh, often we see deer, depending on the time of day. We'll see, like, first thing in the morning, you'll see deer, and towards the, the, the end of the day, you'll, you'll, sometimes you'll see them if you're quiet. Uh, it's just a way to survey the property and to become sensitive to the changes in it. Um, And those are my favorite times of the day. Even though lately it's very hot and I'll sweat and after each walk I'll have to take a shower if I plan on being inside, sitting on my furniture and feeling comfortable. But... Especially with the goats, my walks have been rewarding because, well, for a number of reasons. A, it's good for the goats. It's healthy for the goats. So I like seeing them exercising, you know, running around outside, basically. I like seeing them, you know, foraging, browsing for food, eating leaves and crunchy greens and grasses. It's good for them. So, I like seeing that. And on the flip side, it's good for the property for them to eat these weeds, to clear the walkways, to clear the fence lines. Uh, even though they're two small goats, it's you can really see a difference in the past few months having the goats uh, out there uh, eating. And You know, most people that have goats probably aren't paying this close attention to their goats and what they're eating every day. But for me, it's been incredibly, I guess, eye-opening. Because in walking with them and observing what they eat each day and kind of directing them towards areas that I'd like them to thin out... I'm getting closer to the changes and growth patterns of plant life on the property. It's all becoming this... I'm realizing this cycle, you know, of the goats eating, the plants growing, the weather changing, the rain falling. It's really... (laughs) Um, I'm sure it's just going to get deeper and deeper, uh, my, my gratitude towards the, the bounty of nature and the way that things just happen to work um, nicely together. I'm sure that that feeling will deepen as I start putting seeds in the ground and start feeding myself from it. But even just feeding the goats and seeing my land change with the seasons and with my use and their use of it, it's, it's a profound experience. Um, I now, whereas I would have previously just looked at land and seen tall grass and said, that's tall grass, or looked into the bushes and said, that's a mess of trees and bushes, I can now look, it doesn't take, it's not that complicated, but I can now look, at an area and say here's the stuff that goats are going to want to eat specifically down to the specific shoots of a tree like a certain tree they like the fresh green i could just tell kind of what they're going to gravitate towards i have a feeling for it and it's it's just really cool and it and i've it's made me more aware of the different species of plants because of it Uh, and their different periods of growth uh, their flowers, their buds, their leaves—it's amazing. This is my first time really spending an extended period of time out here, and. There's a level of sensitivity that I've developed that I would never be able to get if I just popped in and out whenever, you know, for a weekend or for a week, like I used to. You start to see not only how drastically things really do change from wet to dry season, from month to month, but you start to see how your actions affect the land and the environment in a lasting way i could walk through an area of of brush just to chase a raccoon the other day let's say um and then for months that area that i that i cut through is going to be noticeably trampled down for example Or lately what I've been doing is I've been working on uh, cutting certain vines down. We have these grapevines, muscadine grapes, that have really just taken over certain areas of the property. I mean, they're desirable in the the grapevine area, but uh, they just grow wild otherwise, and they smother trees. And they can't be good for the trees. Furthermore, they just look messy. Um, So I'll just... Sometimes you can tug them down and just pull down these huge clumps of vines. But more often than not, they're firmly entangled into the tree. So what I'll do is I'll go around, take out my knife, and and cut through this thick, woody vine. And then give it time, wait like a week or so when it's dried out, and hopefully you can, you know, you really have to work. It's a good exercise. You know, you're pulling this vine down from the sky. Um... It's like a pull-up kind of, but but different. <laughs> Instead of pulling your weight up, you're pulling resistance down. I'm not sure. We'd have to talk to a uh, a physical trainer uh, to know exactly what the difference is. Uh, but it's good exercise and it's rewarding because my you know my trees are noticeably different once I've you know taken the vines out of them. But yeah, and that sort of thing you see the effects of, and it's pleasing uh, over time. I'll tell you what, and this is almost unbelievable. I've developed lately, like an uh, like an inexplicable just sensitivity to animal life. So I, not always, but I can, I kind of have a sense of when there is an animal nearby. And it's not the sound of it or smell or anything like... Well, I don't think it's smell unless it's like some subconscious smell. Um, pheromones or something. Um, but it's nothing to do with the senses. It's just a it's like a sixth sense. I kind of get the feeling that I'm about to encounter an animal. And then I encounter an animal. I swear it's happened numerous times. It's not specific enough where I could tell you what animal it is. It's just I kind of feel a presence and whether sometimes I'll feel that presence and I'll never see the animal but more often than not I'll feel like I'm about to come upon an animal and then it happens for example the other day I was walking uh, it had just rained and so the ground was, was kind of for whatever reason I was able to walk quieter than usual the ground was soft and so the leaves weren't crunching whatever it was I noticed that I was able to move quieter and I had come upon a group of turkeys, and it was the wildest thing. There's a group of turkeys, and then walking through the group of turkeys was this raccoon, like a big-ass raccoon. And I hadn't seen a raccoon on the property ever before that. And I had my rifle, and I had this uh, optic on it. I had a scope on it that... I'm ashamed to say I hadn't zeroed in. I just kind of left it on, and I thought I was roughly zeroed in. It wouldn't matter. And I went to take a shot at this raccoon, and I completely missed it. And then I think the second shot hit it or hit close to it, and the thing just ran off. And so I cursed myself. I said, man, i got to zero this in. The next day, I went out, and I was kind of hunting for this raccoon because... I have so many birds now. Some of them were small at the time. You know, a raccoon could decimate my birds. And it was probably getting, you know, it was close to the prop, it was close to the birds. And it was probably coming after them. So this next day, I'm walking. I decide to, for some reason, I'm in the house and I say, man, you know, even though it's raining, it'd be fun to put on a tank top and some shorts and my rubber boots. And let's just go for a walk in the rain. So I do that. And at the very end of the walk, I I went to get a package. I ended up at my gate where there's like a little delivery box. I ended up getting a package. And it's a big package, so it's over my shoulder. And so I'm not able to hold my rifle properly where I'm ready to use it. And I have the feeling, I say, man, if I come, I'm walking. It's the last, very last leg of my walk walking up the driveway towards the cabin and say man if I turn this corner and there's something there I'm going to have to drop this box and it's going to startle whatever it is or whatever so I'm like yeah but that's unlikely so sure enough I turn the corner and at that moment just as I had thought it might happen a a raccoon I think it was the same one Comes out of the bushes, crosses my path, maybe 30 yards in front of me. Doesn't notice me, and then just, you know, stops there as I put the box. I put the box down just as I had thought. I would have to put the box down, raise my rifle, and take a shot. Miss it again because, of course, I didn't sight in my scope. And the thing runs off into the woods. My dog sees it, chases after it. This is the thick woods on my property. And, you know, obviously at this point, you know, the box is on the floor, where, where maybe, where the raccoon ran into is maybe 15 yards from where all the birds are. So the thing is definitely getting close to the birds. I set my dog in the woods, and I quickly think, I said, first, I've lost track of it, I quickly think and I say, I'm going to run around to the other side of the woods, because either my dog will pin it somewhere in the woods and know where it is, or that thing will run out the other side and we'll lose it. So I run out to the other side, fast enough where I think the thing couldn't have run out in that time. And sure enough, my dog has this raccoon up in a tree. I'm looking at the raccoon up in the tree. I shoot it, thing falls down like pff, 50 feet or something. It falls on the ground and in its last bit of life, uh, God bless the, the thing, uh, my dog is circling in its last bit of life. My dog is about to you know, grab it in her mouth, and the thing is hissing at her, you know, showing its teeth, uh, sitting up kind of, not able to move so much, and I uh, shoot it again, put it out, and my dog grabs it and shakes it around in her mouth. I mean, she was having the best day of her life. My dog, after all, is a, black and tan coon hound made specifically for hunting raccoons you know bred for this and being that we lived in the city and that i had never seen raccoons on the property before we had never hunted a raccoon before so after seven and a half years of life she finally got her first raccoon her first taste of victory and she freaking enjoyed it and i felt great too um Over the next two, three days, I had hucked it into the woods and noticed a day later all the vultures were there. And the next day, I just noticed a skeleton of, you know, I I found a skull and then a spine and those vultures had devoured that thing. Barely gave it a chance to stink, which is amazing too. Uh, Nature's garbage disposal. So my point is, I've developed a sensitivity sometimes to the presence of another life form. And that's nothing I've ever really had before. I guess it's similar to, like, when you feel like you're being watched by someone, if you've ever had that feeling. Uh, it's like that. So, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, uh, div- like, you know, I'm alone, you know? So it's not like I'm talking to anyone. It's not like I'm covering up the silences in my day-to-day thing with anything in my day-to-day experience with anything I'm probably like experiencing this pushing through like another level of sensitivity of awareness it's pretty cool and I think there's something about the routine like a monk almost like a monk uh, uses his routines his or her routines throughout the day as a way to further as a way to allow for his spiritual practice to 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 be enhanced like you know like the reason why monks wear the same robes every day is that they don't it doesn't take them away from you know choosing what to wear is not something that takes uh, any of their mental strength you know it's, it's entirely focused towards I mean I don't know if that's the actual reason but it seems like it would be there's something about routine and doing things day in day out that I think has lifted me up into like a higher plane and everyone has their routines. It's, it's something about this type of routine where I'm close to nature and I'm working with animals and I'm quiet. There's something about it that has, has, has pushed my consciousness to another level, I think. And it's good. that i this kind it kind of reminds me of when i think maybe i wrote an essay i used to have a blog a travel a travel log blog um and i think either way i would i would often in life use places that I've been to and then return to as a, I'm sure we all do this, like when you return to a place that you haven't been in a long time or in some time, oftentimes if the previous experience was, was impactful, you have this insight into where you were the last time you were there And it should give you some sort of reflection into where you are now. And I used to think of it in a sense of traveling. Like I would go to Joshua Tree and then the next time I would go, I would remember what it was like that first time and try to think about what was on my mind then. What were the things I was struggling with or thinking about or interested in? And now here I am again what is it now you know and returning to places used to be how i experienced this kind of self-reflection that came from repeatedly visiting a place well now it's it's happening in a different kind of way where i'm daily repeating the same steps and it's like a kind of meditation. You know, my walks around the property are really my meditation time in a way. I, I, I don't know where I'm getting at. It's it's, it's a cool... I'm on I'm onto like a cool practice, and I'm benefiting from it. Um, I was reading... Today I picked up... Uh, if I ever feel like getting off the property, and I don't like have to do it, like I don't need to go to Publix or whatever, and I just feel like getting away... I'll drive to like a bookstore if it's the right time of day or the right day of the week. I'll go to a used bookstore. And lately, the one that I feel is in need of uh, pilfering is Abraxis Books, which I mentioned in the last podcast, in uh, Daytona Beach. Um, and so I went there today just, you know, on, you know, on a whim. And I ended up in the Judaism section, unplanned. And I picked up this book by Martin Buber. I have it here in front of me. It's called The Way of Man, According to the Teaches of Hasidism. Hasidism? You know, Hasidic Jews. And uh, there's a few essays. I was planning on reading a different part of it, just a very brief anecdote, or a brief like piece of folklore, I guess. But uh, there's another part of it where... It's another piece of folklore where uh, Boober, Martin Boober, uses the, I guess there's a, you know, in in Genesis, I guess God asks Adam, where are you? And Boober kind of extrapolates on the Jewish question of Like, there's deeper meaning in this question that people have questioned this question. You know, if God is all-knowing, why would he ask Adam, where are you? And the reason is, is that God is all-knowing. And he didn't ask the question because he was genuinely curious. He asked the question for Adam to consider for himself. And so, Buber relates it to all of us, no matter where we are in our path in life, being asked where we are, and at any moment we can turn to we can turn to God, basically something something along those lines. Um, so I I don't know I've just been thinking about that since I read it, like as it relates to me, and as it relates to you know, last episode was a lot to do with belonging like, where I am being aware of, like, the place that I am. And so the question of, like, where are you is is interesting to ask. But also, similarly, to do with, like, the pressures I feel when people ask what I'm doing or, you know, why I'm here, etc., or or cast doubt into why I'm, like, in their minds living uh, as a hermit in isolation, which is not true, Um, but I can see why people would think that. Um, I don't know, it's just very interesting that I, I f- that I happened to read that today when it, it's, uh, when having posed that question uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, I believe I opened, you know, with that quote, if, um, if you heard the podcast, it was, uh you know, not knowing where I woke, not knowing where I was, and therefore I didn't know who I was. Um. Uh, Anyways, I might as well just hop, since I have the book open, I might as well hop to this other um, little folktale, very brief folktale that I found super interesting. And it was basically, I never knew this about, I mean, I grew up Reformed Jewish. And basically, like, as close to you can get is non-observant. Like, I know all the holidays, I went to Hebrew school, but, like, there was very little spirituality in the practice. It just seemed like going through steps saying prayers that we had no idea what they meant. And it was more like, you know, it was just cultural more than it was spiritual. So I never knew what Hasidic Jews believed. They just seemed like very devout, which they are very devout Jews, but it's actually more interesting than I could have imagined. And Buber is helping me get into that. Um, but just from reading the intro to this book, one of the core beliefs is that God is in all of us, right? But is in everything as well. Everything that exists. But it takes the, it takes man interacting with these things in order to bring out the godliness in them. And so, a Hasidic would believe, or would act in such a way that all of his actions are,, uh, a dialogue with with God, with holiness. So everything that you do from the most mundane to whatever, if you're a <clears throat> a good follower of the religion in their in their eyes, should be with God in mind, <clears throat> which I find pretty cool. I find pretty interesting. Lately I've been thinking of like, you know, in other religions, like I think about the Arabic, um, like mosaics, like the very ornate uh, buildings that have so much detail and, and craft, craftsmanship behind them, oftentimes are, te- are, you know, are works to uh, divinity. And so in Judaism, I guess there's the same thing, in, in Hasidic Judaism at the very least. Anyway, so I've been reading this. It's been interesting. And here's this uh, little tale. The Magid of zlotchov which means the preacher of zlotchov was asked by a Hasid, quote, We are told everyone in Israel is in duty bound to say, when will my work approach the works of my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? How are we to understand this? How could we ever venture to think that we could do what our fathers did? As, as My words, um you know, achieve their level of greatness, holiness. The rabbi expounded, just as our fathers found new ways of serving, each a new service according to his character, one the service of love, the other that of stern justice, the third that of beauty, so each one of us in his own way shall devise something new in the light of teachings and of service and do what has not yet been done. To do what has not yet been done. Every person born into this world represents something new, something that has never existed before, something original and unique. It is the duty of every person in Israel to know and consider that he is unique in the world, in his particular character, and that there has never been anyone like him in the world. For if there had been someone like him, there would have been no need for him to be in the world. Every single man is a new thing in the world and is, con- and is, excuse me, and is called upon to fulfill his peculiar- peculiarity in this world. For verily, that this is not done is the reason why the coming of the Messiah is delayed. Every man's foremost task is the actualization of his unique, unprecedented, and never recurring potentialities, and not the repetition of something that another, and be it even the greatest, has already achieved. And so the rabbi Bunham once said in old age, when he had already grown blind, and here's the here's the part of it. I like it all, but here's what I was originally originally going to read. When he's already grown blind. I should not like to change places with our father Abraham. What good would it do if Abraham became like blind Bunham and blind Bunham became like Abraham? Rather than have this happen, I shall try to be a little more like myself. The same idea was expressed with even greater pregnancy by Rabbi Zusiah, when he said, a short while before his death, in the world to come, I shall not be asked, why were you not Moses? I shall be asked, why were you not Zeusia? And I guess playing off of John Fowles and his kind of, um, more or less expounding on art and what makes good art, being that it should be something purely uh, from and relating to that belonging to the individual that made it. That only that person could have made it. Everything else that's similar to it, you know, only, you know, good art should come from that person and should speak to who that person is, in other words. Um, so yeah, I don't know, you know, like, I question all, all the time, you know, This is weird, you know, like a lot of people are getting married and having relationships and stuff and have pursuing careers and different things. What I'm doing is definitely unorthodox, but it feels so true to me. That is what keeps me doing it. There's a lot of pressures. First of all, it's not easy. A, the work is not easy. B, it's not easy being alone. C, it's not easy dealing with all of the societal pressures asking me to come back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Being away from my family, et cetera, et cetera. It's not an easy thing to do, but I'm recharged every day with many things that remind me that this is really... It, I've never felt more in line with what I need to be doing than, than by being here and doing these things. I know that I'm on the right path, and by being, I have faith that by being true to myself and my desires, this will lead me in the right way. Whether it's in a spiritual sense, it'll lead me closer to spirit, my spirituality, my connection to God. Uh, it'll allow me to be more clairvoyant in my life. I'll have a better. I'll be speaking from a more stable ground. Hopefully. I'll be more confident in my actions, more in control of my actions. I'll have my life better organized. I'm seeing these things happen every day, and hopefully I can hold on to it. Um, Also, I think I'll be productive here. Um, I'm making art. I'm learning my craft better. Uh, I'm learning new skills I'm learning how to care for animals. Um, how, you know I'm, I'm finally, with the eggs, producing my own food to a degree. And I hope to um, expand on that soon. Uh, yeah, so I have faith in what I'm doing. It's not easy, and I'm glad I didn't quit. There, there have been times when I felt like I wanted to quit. Things were hard, and I don't think that's happening. I'm really dug in. So, yeah, I mean, let's see. Let's look at my notes like i've I've covered everything I wanted to cover um so I hope hopefully that all makes sense, and if you're listening to the whoever's made it this far, I hope that this kind of gives you an idea of where I'm at. I think it should um I'm very lucky to have the opportunity to do this. But I also feel that many others who are lucky wouldn't be doing this. This is something that is so purely me. You know, I'm always, like, to be a little cynical here. <laughs> it, I'm always finding, like, a very, it seems like very much a part of our cultural zeitgeist today that people want to do this, this being, like, quote, unquote, homesteading, whatever that means today. I mean, I know what it means historically, but whatever it means today. I guess there's TV shows I've heard, you know, people say, oh, watch this show. You know, I don't watch TV, but uh, I guess that it's part of our cultural, you know, language that this is like a thing that that we do now. It's an option. So everyone says, oh, you're living my dream. You know, you're doing this, you're doing that. I, I wish I could do that. But no one, none of these people are ever going to do it. Very rare. 1% of them will actually do it. And it's not because they don't have opportunity. Plenty of them have the opportunity. I, I, don't get me wrong. Some of them will not have the opportunity and they'll, it'll never manifest itself for them. But I know lots of people that have opportunities to do things like this. And of course they're not doing it. Either because it's not a priority of theirs or they just... It's hard. So I really feel that like, you know, this is a path. I'm really cut out for this, I feel. This is like kind of my destiny, so to speak. Um, it feels right. I'm loving it. I am seeing results. You know, there's so much more I'm, I've yet to... This is just the beginning. I'm hoping to get more goats and start producing dairy. I want to get some female goats now. You know, when I got these male goats, I got them because they were free and because I kind of... My research and some opinions that I'd gotten said, hey, get some male Get some weathers, you know, castrated males. That way, if you screw up and they die, y- you know, you're not you're not out a bunch of money. And, you know, they would have been killed anyway. So it's, you know, you can feel okay. Uh, so I've kept them alive so far, knock on wood. And, oh, actually, I don't know if I mentioned, I got a very good report for Larry and his broken leg. Uh, we're starting to see a union being formed. So next week, hopefully we'll have his uh, splint off and he could start putting more pressure on the leg and he'll start building up uh, muscle and bone and whatever. And it'll be good. I've I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed. We're not there yet, but we're getting close. So that's good. Uh, anyway, I, I'd like to get some female goats, uh, start producing milk, uh, maybe get some bucks around, start uh, producing offspring, Uh, which would be cool. Maybe produce some meat from them. Um, I have the idea of getting some cows in the near future, which could end up being something like goats, you know, where uh, I've been thinking about it. I'm slowly doing research and then the opportunity presents itself and bam, I've got cows now. Um, That may be ill-advised. I still have a lot of research to do before I go ahead and do that, but it's something that's that was a, a dream, and is now like I can see it happening. We're not too far away. It wouldn't be that hard. Um, it'd probably be great for the property too. You know, I'd I'd have f- free grass trimming, uh, fertilizer, and <laughs> if I could bring myself to it, when the t- when the time comes, I would have uh, of course meat a ton of it. Um. But what is definitely attainable in the next week or two is my garden. I'm going to start planting, uh, crops, uh, for me. Um, and I'm not, you know, we'll see. Can I keep a garden going? Yeah, but can I do it right off the bat? Let's see. It's definitely not an easy thing to do. Uh, there's skills required. There's a learning curve. Uh, I've had plants before, but this is a whole new thing. So let's see. Um, First thing I need to do is build a fence, fenced in area, because I know my chickens and my goats are going to want to get into it, and I need a way to prevent them from doing that when I when I don't want them to be, to be in there. So I've laid out the area that I think is best. Uh, it, it'll be close to the house so that I don't have to walk across a field to get there. I can keep an eye on it. My hoses will reach there uh, with ease, Uh, it's got full sun, Uh, it's got good drainage, Uh, it should be a pretty good spot for it. I'm going to have to uh, fence it, uh, dig it out, replace the soil with, because it's all sand, uh, replace it with good soil, Um, Well, make a soil mix that I'll have to then replace it with. Uh, There's a few steps. First is the fence. Because I've picked the site, so you know. In the next, maybe that'll be the next podcast talking about that project. But for now, I think this is enough. Um, Yeah, I hope this was. I kind of just breezed through this one. I hope it's. uh, I hope it's coherent. I hope you like it. Uh, Definitely get in touch with me if you have any questions or concerns about you know where the podcast is heading, or you want to give me some feedback. Definitely let me know. Old cushions stuffed with pride. The hand is shaking from the rubble. This is spirit still alive.